Hi, I'm Andrew, and this is the Daily Keenon podcast about today's global crisis. The coronavirus pandemic is dramatically disrupting not only our own daily lives, but also society itself. This show features conversations with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers about the deeper economic, political, and technological consequences of the pandemic. It's the daily podcast trying to make long-term sense out of the chaos of today's global crisis. Donald Trump, of course, likes to think of himself as existing somehow out of history. And perhaps that's a reflection of, of, of what some people call his authoritarian personality. Uh, he defines himself as being the best, the first, the greatest in history. But there are analogies in history. The obvious one, of course, in American presidential history is with Richard Nixon. Uh, my guest on the show today, John Dean, was White House counsel for Nixon and then famously uh, testified against Nixon. So he's a perfect person to make the comparison between Trump and Nixon. And indeed, uh, last year, in a conversation with Nancy Pelosi, uh, Dean told Pelosi, Trump is a public version of the private Richard Nixon. Uh, uh, Dean's thinking on Nixon and on these comparisons is uh, revealed in his latest book, which he co-authors with Bob Altemeyer, Authoritarian Nightmare, Trump and His Followers. So, uh, John, uh, what is this comparison between Nixon? How is Trump the public version of the private Richard Nixon. Andrew, Richard Nixon is our last authoritarian president. We've actually had, by my count, four. If you take the definition of an authoritarian leader type that social science relies on, uh, it would be Andrew Jackson, Woodrow Wilson, Richard Nixon, and Donald Trump. Uh, those are the presidents who evidence a uh, clearly a dominating personality, an opposition to equality, a desire for personal power, and an amorality. So th those are sort of the, that's what social science looks at to define a social dominator, and uh, that's what Trump is. So how does he compare with Nixon? He's not as intelligent. He actually, uh, unlike uh, Nixon, who did experience embarrassment, you can't embarrass this president. That's what makes him particularly dangerous. He has no sense of empathy, no sense of humility, and uh, Richard Nixon actually had those qualities. I think history is going to show that uh, Donald Trump has revived respect for Richard Nixon. I think, I think countless Americans would swap today, uh, any day, for Nixon to bring him back and rather than have Donald Trump. Does Trump make you nostalgic for Nixon? After all, you had an <laughs> intimate relationship with him. You saw the last days or the final act of the, the Nixon regime up front. You had a, a front seat on it. Does it make you nostalgic for Richard Nixon? Uh, in some ways, yes, because at least I know uh, Nixon knew what he was doing. And I don't think that Donald Trump even has a good newspaper knowledge of how Washington 
and government works. He doesn't read anything. He has no sense of history. Uh, whereas Nixon was just the opposite. He was, he was a student of the presidency. He had been in Congress. He'd served in the House of Representatives. He'd been in the U.S. Senate. He'd been vice president uh, for eight years. So he knew his way around before he became president. And I think he had a inherent institutional respect for government. He was uh, something of an establishmentarian in that regard. One of the reasons I believe he probably resigned rather than face impeachment is because he didn't want to put the country through the the agony of it all. And he respected the process and he knew he was doomed by it. All news is biased in some way. Reporters may add biased language consciously or unconsciously, but the outcome is the same. Bias in the news impacts how we see the world. Ground News is a new app that provides readers with objective data about the underlying political bias in all published news stories. It's the first ever news comparison platform. Ground News collects data from over 50,000 news sources and runs real-time media bias tracking. Then the coverage bias rating is visually shown alongside the story. For every story you read, you can compare how reporting differs across sources with different political biases and see if the coverage of Scory skews more to the left or to the right. Ground News represents a larger movement of people who are fed up with traditional, highly politicized news. No one wants to be spoon-fed ideas or subtly influenced. Ground News gives the power to the people so you can make up your own mind. Want to learn more and try it for free? Just head to ground.news forward slash keenon and enter keenon and get seven days free of Ground News Pro. As an exclusive limited time offer, listeners of Keenon will get 25% off Ground News premium membership. So what are you waiting for? Start judging the truth for yourself today. Uh, your new book, John, uh, Authoritarian Nightmare, Trump and His Followers, is written with Bob Altemeyer. I'm not sure how you divided the labor, but Bob is a social scientist. You're a practitioner of politics or an ex-practitioner. The book reads in some ways as a, a kind of social science manual on what it is to be an authoritarian leader. Bob isn't on the show, so maybe be Bob for a moment. What is an authoritarian leader? Well, as I defined our past presidents having the qualities that social science uh, puts on them, it is this dominating personality. You can see it in Trump, for example. He's a, he's a prototypical uh, social dominator. And he, when he shakes somebody's hand, he pulls them in and tr throws them off balance and tries to dominate them from the minute he meets them. Uh, he clearly opposes equality. He, he doesn't, you know, but for the fact he needs these voters, these are people, as his, his niece, uh, Mary, said, he wouldn't have anything to do with these people. Uh, he's not only a snob about whites, 
but he is a particularly snob about anybody of color. And he just doesn't have any of them in his life. Uh, he's never has. So he opposes equality. He is clearly and conspicuously desirous of personal power. We, that's why he obviously sought the office he sought. Uh, but his amorality, the final uh, clear defining rung, has just become increasingly apparent as he's president. Uh, the man doesn't have a moral fiber in his body. What's the relationship between authoritarianism and amorality? Because the other authoritarian leaders that you mention in American history, Nixon, Wilson, they had a degree of morality. It varies from leader to leader. Uh, the, it, there are times when Nixon uh, evidenced none. There are times when Woodrow Wilson evidenced none. Uh, Wilson was a terrible bigot uh, and racist. Uh, his inability to understand and work with Congress is the reason he was unable to get his, his uh, treaties accomplished. Uh, so it varies from leader to leader. I'm talking general classifications and not specific personalities. Each of these men obviously differ. Uh, Andrew Jackson was fairly ruthless in killing Native Americans and moving them out of their, their homeland. Uh, he was a slave owner and never did free his slaves. So it varies from the personality to the personality, but as they're all clearly social dominator types, they are, they are the smaller group of authoritarians, the leaders, but leaders uh, go nowhere without their followers. And that's the bulk. Uh, those are the, the broader studies that have been done. The, the, actually the study of, of authoritarian leadership and social domination is just a little over a decade old. Uh, Bob Altmeyer is one of those who was there at the, uh, at the early days of the deep scientific study of, of uh, authoritarian followers. This is a, a body of science that started in the aftermath of World War II, when a group of uh, Jewish scientists from Germany escaped and went to Berkeley and wanted to know- Where I'm speaking from. <laughs> Good. Uh, well, these scientists wanted to know if indeed the uh, United States could fall victim to the same things that had happened in Germany and Italy. Where yeah, I'm curious about that, John. In the book, you, you, you give credit to Adorno and those group of, of, of German thinkers who came out of the Frankfurt School. But of course, the core of their critique of authoritarianism was that it was rooted in what they described as late stage capitalism. And there's not much analysis in your book. Do you see a connection between this descent into authoritarianism in, in early 21st century America and the crisis of early 21st century capitalism, uh, particularly the inequality that seems to be inevitably coming out of, uh, of globalized capitalism? We really didn't dive into that. Uh, there are so many differences in what the science is today than during the Adorno early days of that uh, well, inquiry. What's, it's not a, a scientific uh, issue. It is a scientific yeah. study. It, it, I, I take exception with you there. What the, the, This science has been developed by interviewing people, 
personalities, analyzing them, refining the testing, uh, relying on the scientific method uh, to determine these personalities and to flush them out. So it is very much a, a social science. And It may be a science in terms of analyzing the leaders, but what about the society itself? It can't all be analyzed through uh, social science, can it? Well, that's, as I say, the, the bulk of this work has really been done with the followers where there are people who are right. uh, both men and women, they're submissive to authorities, they're aggressive on behalf of those authorities, and they're conventional, those criteria, but they're also tested for other traits. Uh, typically, they're highly religious people, the followers. They have moderate to little education. They are prejudiced. That's one of the interesting things we did, incidentally, Andrew, to confirm this science is because it had been drawn on samples around the United States and Canada, relatively small samples of students and their parents and others that were tested. Uh, we didn't know when we started this how it was going to play out on the larger scale. But I uh, convinced Bob that what we had to do is test American voters at large. So uh, we went to the Mammoth Polling uh, Institute and had them conduct a national survey. There was a pool of about 230,000 people. We drew down on that to a, a representative sample of American voters of about 990 people. They were administered and uh, bless Monmouth Polling Institute. They came up with a very, very uh, intuitive and easy way to administer these personality tests to about 990 people. So we're not speculating about this science on these voters. It applies. And we found Trump's base is, is solidly authoritarian uh, personalities on all of the key tests. It's an interesting observation and perhaps a, a controversial methodology, John. I mean, I'm not sure how much you sat down with these people. You say that Trump is the symptom then, not the cause of this authoritarian nightmare that we're living through. Did you actually spend any time with these Trump voters? I just drove across the country from California to the East Coast. I drove through a lot of small towns in America uh, houses, very well-kept houses with American flags and big posters of, of Trump on the front lawn. Are you suggesting all these people are submissive, rather pathetic characters? Uh, I'm not suggesting any of them are uh, have any specific traits when you take a given individual. I'm saying collectively, and this was very clear in the MAMA surveys, uh, that there are large groups of them uh, in our survey that were submissive to authority. They were aggressive on behalf of the authority and very conventional people in their views. What does that mean, conventional? That sounds, uh, are you a conventional person? Probably. Am I? I mean, I don't know what that I means. Have no, I don't know you from Adam, so well, I can't well, address well, that. It, it sounds very patronizing. It sounds like the kind of critique that these people have of the liberal elites, that they're all viewed as conventional, whereas we on the coasts, you in Los Angeles, me in Berkeley, we're the unconventional, we're the wild types. Well, uh, that may be a correct assessment. <laughs> but what does conventional mean? Uh, it means they, they're, they're distasteful of, um, of, of homosexual relations, or they don't read French literature, or they don't like Japanese food. It's not clear it to would, me. It would include all those things. So they're provincial. 
And, and, and that would be a that could be another definition. Or but isn't this a, just a kind of a form of of of, of elite snobbery, and which is causing some of the strife in America today? I, I'm sorry, I didn't get that question. It, it, isn't this itself this sort of methodology, if you like, uh, a, a cause of some of the what some people see as the elite snobbery, which is compounding the divisions in America today, and it and 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 inflaming these cultural divisions? Well, it, it, it may be viewed from their point of view as such. Uh, indeed, scientific inquiry is something they're not inclined to. We've seen science get run out of the uh, Trump White House. Uh, but relying on the scientific method has proved a reliable way to examine factual and, and uh, uh, psychological inquiries like this. And uh, these people are revealing themselves for who they are, not that we're telling and saying this is who they are, rather this is what the testing shows. And had we not had the MAMA survey to confirm it, uh, that you'd have a large, you know, that'd be a very good argument that we're, uh, we're just guessing about who these people are and don't know. Well, the testing showed who they were. Did you sit down though with many of these people? Did you did you have a a lunch, a cup of tea, and talk to them, uh, 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 Bob and John, to Bob and John in these these towns who were very supportive of of Trump? Did you have? Any I I did not. I have. I know a lot of Trump's supporters uh, who uh, some fit the definition, some do not. So uh, and some don't. Some vote for Trump for very different reasons. So they're, they're, what we did is take a body of science that reveals a personality type and found this is who supports Donald Trump. And did I sit down and talk with him? No. And, and that there are studies where that is done. And in other words, follow-ups from uh, these kinds of questionnaires. Altmaier has done that over his career on countless occasions. He, he says these people are very predictable when you meet with them. Uh, some of them are delightful, uh, very pleasant people. They're, uh, this isn't a pejorative examination of them. Well, it is. Kind... It is, though, isn't it? Because you, you, your book is about an authoritarian nightmare. You're, like me, very hostile to Trump and his regime and his disdain for democracy. So there is a, a strong pejorative element. You're, well, it's just, I would say it's descriptive rather than pejorative. So what do, we, what do we do then? What does the science say about fixing this authoritarian nightmare? Uh, is the Trump base reformable? Can science help, help us reform them to, to allow them, so to speak, to, to grow out of this authoritarian personality or their dependence on authoritarian personalities? Uh, the, the short answer is no. Uh, science cannot help and will not change them. These are studies of who they are, and it is not a prescriptive uh, book, or uh, nor is the science prescriptive. What you find when you study these people is some of them are not aware of, for example, of who they are and their very natures. Uh, they're not good at critical thinking. They're not good at self uh introspection they don't who is really... though I, I you know i i'm not sure i buy this are you good at that am i good yes at it? i am i'm very good at it i know exactly who i am and I'm these sorry, people don't. don't 
Well, I'm not as confident <laughs> as you. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm uh, myself uh, vulnerable to falling under the authoritarian nightmare. Are you suggesting then that there's a, the, the traditional enlightenment view that if we're fully self-conscious, that's the best defense against authoritarianism and fascism? Well, I'm not sure it's the best. I, I think to know yourself is uh, to live a full life. Uh, and to appreciate who you are and, and what your strengths and weaknesses are. In, in dealing with authoritarianism, what we have a situation where, as I was telling you, a few of these people are not happy with who they are when they discover who they are. They will change because of their own internal decision. Most people will not. These people are locked in. Uh, that's why this base does not move. That's why Trump has the consistent 40 to 44 percent approval. They're not going anywhere. And the only way to, uh, to deal with it in a democratic world is they have to be voted out of power. They can't be given power. And they're going to be around after Trump is gone as well. What, you've lived through the very turbulent Nixon years, uh, John, uh, I'm not sure if America was quite as close to civil war or violence. How fearful are you of, of what will happen after November 2020 or during November 2020, either if Trump wins or loses, particularly in terms of these followers? Some of them, of course, are falling back already on violence and on the, yes, the cult of guns. So how fearful are you? It, I, it's a deep concern. Uh, fear isn't the right word. Concern is, is the correct word. Uh, what's going to happen, what our Mammoth poll showed and we poured in the book, is that about 24% already are prepared to let Trump stay in power if he loses. Uh, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty frightening number from if you're looking at fear. It's a concerning number if you're looking at the way democracy works. So what's to be done? Well, the only real answer is a tsunami election where he is just really washed out of power. And these people realize that the overwhelming majority of Americans do not want this kind of government. They do not want an authoritarian government. John, you've been very critical of previous Republican administrations, too. You wrote a couple of best-selling books critical of Bush. To what extent do you see Trump as part of the narrative of the history of republicanism from from Nixon onwards? You know, there has been a, a steady uh, change in the Republican Party. It, uh, it began during Nixon and it ex extended, it was accelerated during Bush Cheney. Uh, that's where I started writing rather critical books. And that's when I also discovered the influence of authoritarianism uh, when I wrote the book Conservatives Without Conscience, that's a, that's a study of how the authoritarian leaders had taken over the conservative movement. So I've been on this quite a while. Uh, it's not healthy. I don't know any of the uh, Republican leaders I have known, uh, like the late Senator Barry Goldwater, who was a close friend. Uh, he was very distressed with what, what authoritarians were doing to republicanism. And the party of Goldwater today uh, would not recognize, they wouldn't let a conservative like Goldwater even in the party. He would be considered a rhino. So it's a very different party. 
And as Trump has taken it to be his own, uh, I think he's pretty well demolished the party. It's smaller. It, it is uh, in the wilderness now. And I'm not sure what its future is. Well, John W. Dean, your, your new book, which you co-authored with Bob Altemeyer, Authoritarian Nightmare, Trump and His Followers, offers a, a very thoughtful and well-researched perspective on this descent from democracy to authoritarianism. Everyone should, of course, read the book. It's, it's just out. What else, uh, John, though, should people be reading in this weird fall of 2020. I used to talk about the weird summer of 2020. We are now in September 2020. Uh, may not be getting cold on the West Coast, but it's getting cold the rest of America. What should people be reading as they, they sit at home and they try to cheer themselves in this rather chilling atmosphere? Well, if they're interested in authoritarianism, I would start them with Hannah Arndt's uh, Origins of Totalitarianism, which is a classic. If they want a quick read on this subject, uh, I would say On Tyranny, which is uh, Snyder's, Tim Snyder's work. And it's a, a good summation and uh, capsulization of the problems and what to look for. You've been listening to Keynote, hosted by me, Andrew Key. Make sure to join us the rest of this season as we explore how to fix capitalism. Make sure to visit us at lithub.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While you're at it, if you enjoyed what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would also help too. Today's episode was produced and edited by Justin Alvarez and the team at LitHub Radio. See you next week. And thanks so much for listening.